I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. These words we hear today from Jesus, and they should sober us up right away in a certain sense. This message of what? This message of repentance. Jesus doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. And then illustrates with the parable as well about the importance of repentance. You see, in the days of Jesus and the Old Testament, even now today sometimes we feel this kind of notion or we think this certain belief that if you do something wrong, that the Lord's going to punish you. If you sin greatly, then the Lord's going to take your, your life. This is what Jesus was referring to. He's saying, no, no, no. Do you think that they perished at the Tower of Cilium or that Caesar took their blood, that Pilate took their blood because of, of their sins? No. But if you do not repent, you will perish just like they did. So we know that the Lord is kind and merciful, but we also know that he calls us to do what? He calls us to, to repent. And if not, what Jesus is saying is that we too will perish, but not just in a physical sense, but in that spiritual sense. We'll lose our spiritual life. What does that look like, losing our spiritual life? Well, it's quite obvious. If we do not repent and turn to the Lord or live with the Lord, we'll go to hell. That should sober you up a little bit, right? But this is what Jesus is saying. We need to repent. This does not mean that we should be out on the corners, you know, with those signs out there. That we have those, those, you know, corner preachers. That's not the way that, that, that God is asking us to do this. But instead... He's asking us to truly turn back to him and to repent of anything that is not of him. Anything in our life where we're not glorifying him. Jesus illustrates this point again in the parable. This parable of the fig tree. If we actually go back to to Luke chapter 3, we'll hear about the fig tree as well. And this is John the Baptist speaking of of a fig tree. And so what is happening here is that this fig tree we know is who? It's us. But it's not just us as humanity. It's individually us as well. And so each and every one of us, as John the Baptist would say in Luke chapter 3, represent the fig tree. And if we do not bear fruit, what is the gardener going to do? It's going to cut that tree down because it's exhausting the soil so that other, you know, trees don't get the nutrients, so cut it down so the other trees can, well, they can thrive. And so when this parable comes, something amazing happens. The gardener says, no, no, no. Give me another year. Who's the gardener? Jesus. Give me another year. Let me cultivate it. Let me fertilize it. Let me work on it. And of course, this is what Jesus did in his public ministry. 
It's what he does still for us as well. Continues to try to cultivate us, continues to try to, to fertilize us with the, with the blood of, of himself, right? And he's saying, I want to, to be able to give this tree, this person, us, a chance. And what, what does that look like? What does it look like to, to be cultivated, be fertilized by the Lord? Will we let him prune us? Will we let him truly work on us? And when it comes to pruning, we know, now if you're an expert gardener, and as I mentioned before, I am not an expert gardener, but expert gardeners, you know what they can do? They'll be able to prune a tree or a plant right to the brink of death. And as I'm watching them work, or I see it, I'm going, aren't you killing this plant? Aren't you going to, is it, it going to survive? And an expert gardener knows exactly what to do. Because he knows if they prune it just right, they can get all everything away that's not supposed to be there. And when it comes to bloom again, it's going to bloom even greater. Who's an expert gardener in our soul? God. And sometimes God wants to prune us so we can bloom even greater. But unlike a plant, we have free will. We can allow the Lord to prune us or we can reject it. Will we allow the Lord truly to prune us to work on us? And if we do, we have to go to him and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Now, when he first starts pruning, what happens, by the way? We go, ooh, no, no, thank you. I don't want to give that up, right? Especially in this season of Lent, maybe. We say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to be pruned. I'm going to give a boom, boom, boom. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden, two and a half weeks later, we look at our Lenten resolutions and we go, I guess I wasn't ready to be pruned, huh? It's harder giving up those things or doing those things. And yet the Lord still wants to work on us. So it's a great opportunity in the season of Lent to continue to allow him and say, okay, I'm trying again. Because I know when, when we let the Lord prune us, it's going to bring us greater fulfillment, greater grace, and greater love. But also what it's going to do, hopefully, hopefully, is show us we need to have this continual Repentance. What is repentance? The Catechism of the Catholic Church has in paragraph 1431 a beautiful statement about interior repentance. It says this Interior repentance is a radical reorientation of our whole life, a return, a conversion to God with all our heart, an end of sin, a turning away from evil with repugnance toward the evil actions we have committed. What does that mean? We look back at maybe some of those evil actions we have committed, and we're appalled by them. And I think as we grow older in our, in our life, as, as we look back at our life sometimes, sometimes we look back and say, how did I, how did I do that? Why did, oh, I can't believe I, I did that. I can't believe I did that, that, that sin, or I said that thing, or I lived that way, and it should appall us. And that's good to look back that way. Don't go into shame. Sometimes we can fall into shame. I can't believe I did that. I'm horrible. No, no, no. 
but to not be attracted to anymore, you know what that looks like? Conversion. It looks like repentance. Does it mean we're never going to fall again? Of course not. We hope we don't fall again with God's help. But this is what repentance, interior repentance, looks like. What it also looks like at the same time is it entails a desire and resolution to change one's life with hope in God's mercy and trust and the help of his grace. This conversion of heart is accompanied by a solitary pain and sadness, which the Father has called an affliction of spirit and a repentance of the heart. Jesus says what again in the gospel today? If you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And so in this Lenten season, let us truly enter into this time of repentance. Lord, I repent of all of these sins, those things that are taking me away from you. And of course, when we do that, we should hopefully then feel motivated as well to come to the sacrament of repentance, the sacrament of reconciliation. And to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry for these things. And when we do this true repentance, true conversion can happen. Uh, this upcoming week, we're going to continue to offer your confessions at St. John's. And actually, uh, this upcoming Saturday, we'll have our, our day of confession. So from 8.30 until 4.30 in the afternoon, uh, I'll be in the confessional except for one hour. Uh, Father Tolleson will be here from noon to one. Um, but uh, we'll have confession available that whole time. And I was preparing for this, uh, this homily. I, all of a sudden, a, a thought came to my mind. I was like, why do we offer, why do I offer confession so much? here at St. John's. Is it because I think we're all sinners? Well, yeah, we are. We are all sinners, right? But God came to call the sinners. Do I think we're horrible people? Not at all. Not at all. I think we're wonderful people with God's love and God's grace. But I also remember when I was in grade school and high school and college, I remember so often that I felt this call to go to, to confession. And back then, I'd have to, you know, actually call the church or, or look at a physical bulletin, or eventually the internet came around, so I was able to look online. And I realized hardly any parishes in the area where I was living offered confession. They'd offer it, you know, for 30 minutes on a Saturday afternoon. Or that line, call the pastor, I was never going to call a pastor as a high school kid. Are you, are you serious? No, not going to happen, right? But if confession would have been available, I would have probably gone a little bit more often. And so I'd feel that call to go to confession because, well, I wanted to have that radical change, and it wasn't available. And so I realized, I guess, I've taken that, I don't know if you call it a wound or experience, and don't want that to happen here at St. John's. So that's why I'm in the confessional all the time. Because I know when I do go to confession, I'm a better person afterwards. I have a greater ability to turn away from that sin. I'm a greater, with God's grace and love and, and mercy, I'm a better priest, I'm a better pastor. And so for parishioners, I ask you, please take advantage of the sacrament of confession. When we leave confession, 
It's the closest we're ever going to be with God. There's nothing blocking us. Repent, believe in the gospel, and let the Lord truly give you his grace, his mercy, his love, and his peace.